The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki Season 2. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. You are listening to Habs and Minded. Brought to you by HabsEyesOnThePrize.com. Hello and welcome to Hapsent Minded. My name is Jared Brook and joining us today in our look at the Toronto Maple Leafs is uh, Steve Dangle. Steve, how are you? Hey, I'm, I mean, I'm about as good as anyone else, right? Yeah. <laughs> I got, yeah, yeah. I, I got, uh, <laughs> uh, I started asking that question differently uh, <laughs> as the year went on. I'm just like, so like, what's happening in your life? Not, not even, yeah. are you good? Yeah, no, it's it, it's it's a more loaded question than normal, uh, given twenty twenty. That's that's definitely uh, yeah. the case. But um, how are things then uh, with you uh, well, at this point? You know, it's uh, hard to complain. My son's finally sleeping through the night. Um, you know, we're we're getting hockey back. You know, I I miss all the things that everyone else does, right? But you know, I try to count my blessings and. I mean, finally being able to sleep and actually having some work to do. I mean, that's that's about as good as it gets, right? Yeah, no, exactly. You know, when people ask me, I'm like, listen, you know, our, our, I can't complain. G- given given what, what other people are dealing with and everything else that's going on, yeah. you know, it, it's you, you kind of feel bad doing lo- looking at things from, from that aspect when uh, you, you know how, you know, things can be, you know, worse. Um, and well, so many people are going through. So that's, many things, and that's, that's how it usually is working in yeah. hockey. Anyway, in my experience, you know, mm-hmm. I'll catch up with a friend who's a paramedic, and ah, yeah. so how's your last month been, or whatever, <laughs> and they tell me everything. And it, this is pre-COVID. Yeah. Oh yeah, I dealt with some guy who I don't know, followed by a list of gruesome everything, and I'm like, um, someone was mean to me because I criticized <laughs> Shea Weber, and. Uh, <laughs> Uh, it made me feel sad for two minutes. <laughs> it just feels so yeah. insignificant. <laughs> Everything's relative when it comes to uh, hockey and 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 what we you know what we deal with on, on a daily basis. And yeah, you know, it's it's great to that that we're getting back into the swing of things. But at the same time, uh, you know, it, it's it, it's everything is relative uh, at this point. Yeah. Um, and well, I guess we'll start off. And uh, speaking of, um, you know, things that happened recently, you did a, a video recently praising the Montreal Canadiens uh, for, for sick kids uh, after um, money was raised. Oh, was, you know what? It was a really cool experience. Um, someone suggested, uh, hey, do a video about the Montreal Canadiens. And I, I get requests all the time. Like, people yeah. are brash. Like, there, <laughs> there's no... No shame. There's no shame, uh, you know, and I'll say particularly like students, like they'll just, man, when, when I was, when I was in school asking for, you know, an interview or anything like that, like I was, I'm psyching myself up in the mirror. 
I'm I'm like mumbling it to myself on my on my walk to school and as a Mr. Tavares, I, I would just like to, and, and I'm, and I'm practicing an interview with someone who's <laughs> younger than me. Yeah. You know, well, like I was doing a junior hockey show when I was 20 and I'm practicing talking to 18 year olds, you know, playing in junior, like they're the president, um, <laughs> you know, it, so it, and now it's just, Hey, friggin' stupid, make a video about the Habs. So this guy suggested that. And I said, you know what? Okay. Okay. Let's actually do this. But, you're going to pay for it. You're not going to pay me. You're going to pay sick kids. And to, to Montreal Canadiens fans credit. Um, and there were a few Leaf fans in there as well, but I think the lion's share yeah. of this came from Habs fans. Um, they donated, I think it was close to 2000 or maybe over $2,000. So I'll absolutely make a 10 minute video uh, praising the Montreal Canadiens. And, and I got to thank them for making it easy on me because <laughs> You know, I'm not shoehorning it. Uh, I think they're a good team, uh, and they just got better. So, pretty good. Yeah, that was my next question. How much sarcasm was was in the video? But you kind of uh, answered already. But you know, I, I'll, I'll tell you. I don't know if you probably don't notice about me. I don't know if I've ever even said this on the podcast. But my dad is a Leafs fan. My grandfather's oh, a Leafs wow. fan. Um, my my grandfather, uh, grew, his family grew up in Toronto, uh, and then so he was a Leafs fan. And then my dad obviously grew up with my grandfather so he was a Leafs fan uh and you know when by the time I was growing up we had more than one tv in the house so I didn't have to be a Leafs fan I guess it is how that cycle got broken my dad's never lived in Toronto so I come from a different perspective than um a lot of Canadian fans and I don't hate Toronto uh and I think there's a lot more similarities between the two teams and markets than there are differences um and you know it's I, I like to see Toronto doing well and I know that a lot of Canadians fans uh, look at the the North Division and is like, oh, Montreal has a better chance to make the playoffs than Toronto, and Toronto shouldn't, you know, be considered the favorite. And I'm just like, yeah, you have to look at this realistically, <laughs> you know. And it, it, I I just come from a perspective that you know there's there's a lot more. I respect Toronto. Um, I don't I don't hate them like uh, I, I would you know a general rivalry and and things like that. Is that kind of where you come from as well, where, you know, there's more similarities and differences than between the two teams? Yeah, 100%. Um, you know, I grew up and I was always told it was the rivalry. And I mean, the Habs <laughs> and Leafs have had some really good regular season games yeah. uh, over the course of my life. They've never once played in the playoffs. Um, yeah. Last time, I think, was 79, they keep saying. Fun yeah. fact about that, uh, when I worked at Leafs TV... Um, they made me cut a highlight pack from game four of the 79 series for some reason. <laughs> and first of all, the Leafs get, lose. <laughs> so I'm like, man, why are we going decades into the past to cut a highlight pack for a game we lost? Um, but also, like, I was trying to count the fewest amount of Hall of Famers the Habs had on the ice at any given moment. I think the answer was two, and I want to say the most was four. Uh, or something like that. They, they were absolutely uh, absurd. But it's, I feel like the Leafs and Habs um, have a bit of a Batman and Joker thing going on in which we're both the Joker. Like we need each other, uh, yeah. you know? And, you know, I, I, I can, I can look at, you know, as, as a Leafs fan, I can look at Montreal lose and go, haha. And then also be like, ah, oh, but that sucks. That's bad for the sport. <laughs> and that's it's it's no good when the Leafs are good and the Habs are bad or the opposite. Yeah. You, you mm. know what I mean? Uh, and now it seems like this perfect storm is finally brewing yeah. where 
I mean, not only are these guys going to hate each other by the end of the regular season, <laughs> win or lose, they, there's a very good chance they play in the playoffs. And yeah. to me, that's a huge victory for Leafs fans, Habs fans, and hockey. Yeah, no, and I think we're we're probably around the same age. I'm 35, so I think that we're about the same age. I'm Maybe you're probably younger than me a little bit, but we we grew up with you know when I was a kid, Toronto was in the West, and yeah, uh, you know, and then you know they they came to the East, but again, like you said, you know, the, Toronto was good in the early 2000s, and Montreal was not very good at all, and then it kind of switched over a little bit, um, you know, following the, the last lockout kind of thing, and then. It just, they never kind of coincided. And like you mentioned, a lot of regular season games that, you know, meant something to one of the teams and not much to the other. I, I remember, um, you know, the 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 way Dubluet's year uh, when, oh, Montreal, when Montreal had to win uh, against Toronto and Toronto had to win to have a chance to make the playoffs and in the end both missed the playoffs. Um, but yeah, I mean, th- that's probably as close as it gets to um a, a big moment and yeah this year is just like you said a, a perfect storm and they both seem to be in in you know Montreal is probably gonna should make the playoffs let's be real Toronto <laughs> yeah. should make the playoffs uh as well you know they probably have the best chance of making the playoffs in in the division and and, and I guess that's, that's kind of a a good segue is that Toronto if in a regular structure of things would be in the mix with Tampa in the mix with Boston you know kind of in that that same place they were a year ago, and now they're they're kind of the clear favorite uh, when it comes to you know the, the other Canadian markets, and you know you can see maybe one or two teams passing them, but I don't think you can see four teams passing them. So, uh, in terms of just the perspective, how are Leafs fans dealing with being the clear favorite uh, in in this this division? Well, it's difficult for me to speak on behalf <laughs> of all Leaf fans, yes, right? Because I I look at the Canadian division and I go the Leafs, yeah they absolutely have a chance of winning the division for sure. Uh, Mm -hmm. They're a good team. They were probably (laughs) going to make the playoffs last year if it was 82 games, but there was a chance they weren't going to as well. Um, And then obviously they lost to Columbus and then there's that whole debate, but ultimately they didn't make the playoffs. uh, If we're going by regular season point totals and everything, the only team that was clearly better than them uh, was Edmonton and look how they did. Uh, you know, they fared even even worse in the playoffs. So it's the all Canadian division is wide open. But that being said, like clear favorites. You ever watch this team? Are you familiar with the history of the Toronto Maple Leafs? They're never clear favorites for anything, man. Like uh, and it's hockey. You know, they play on ice. There's a rubber bouncing puck. Listen, like Dom decision is far smarter than me. <laughs> but like he he released this model today. Yeah. Uh, the Leafs had a six only a 6% chance of missing the playoffs. I'm like, bro, do you know who you're talking about? <laughs> it's, it's the Leafs. So, uh, you know, I, I think, I think they're better than they were last year. Uh, they're a little tougher, a little bit more veteran presence. Let's not forget. They're also still a very young team and you know, they're, they're yeah. getting a year older. Um, they have a more stable goaltending situation. Morgan Riley is uh, going from Cody CC to TJ Brody as a defense <laughs> partner, which I think is a hell of an upgrade. It's probably the best defense partner he's had as a leaf second best, probably going to Ron Hainsey, which I think should give you an idea uh, of, of how tough it's been. Um, but I, I, I give them a good chance in the Canadian division, mm-hmm. but clear favorite. 
Mm-mm. You don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> I, I guess I guess the the floor for the Maple Leafs is a lot higher than it is for any other team in that division. If you want to look at it, you know, maybe not as, um, you know, any team can win this division. We don't even know what it's going to look like once the season starts. There's so many variables. But but I feel like the, the floor for the Leafs is, is a lot higher than it is for anybody else. And I guess that, that kind of goes with the, the variability in this weird division. And it's basically a round robin uh, for 56 games to see who, who gets top spot. And I, I wanted to talk about the, the postseason last year because from, from a Montreal perspective, the postseason basically changed the entire outlook of the entire franchise. Very quickly. Um, and, Vancouver and, too. And, 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 you know, the, the, the Toronto side of things, I guess, is kind of downplaying what happened in the bubble, right? Because, like you said, if the regular season was a regular season, they were clearly a playoff team. You know, if it went 82 games, maybe something happens where a team like Florida, you know, kind of sneaks up and on them or, or something like that. But clearly... You know, a playoff team. They had the advantage, kind of like you know Pittsburgh did against Montreal in terms of the the standings, and and then they don't end up actually making the playoffs. Which you know, it, again, it's weird. Small sample, five games to kind of get prepared, and then they go into this season. And you know, has has it? How do how do you see that that five? Is it just kind of like a blip for uh, in that perspective? Well, so this this was the very interesting thing because I was talking about blowing it up if the Leafs lose. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was heading into the playoffs. And yeah. Justin Bourne, who I work with at Sportsnet, was like, based on this? Are you <laughs> nuts? Um, but it it depends. If they lose the way you're used to watching them lose, uh, you know, if not much has changed, then sure. And before the the playoffs began last year, I went back and I looked at all 70 Leafs games. I didn't watch them in their entirety again, Mm -hmm. but uh, I I watched quite a bit. And I tell you, it's the, it was the same, same thing over and over again. When, when the puck was in their end, it was there to stay. Um, Were they the better team against Columbus? I I think if they play that series again, they could win it. Um, Losing Jake Muzzin hurt. I think with Jake Muzzin, they probably win. Um, their shooting percentage against Corpusalo was absurd. <laughs> uh, I think they scored on 2% of their shots or something like that. But it was just uh, the, the, way, the way they lost was extremely familiar. Like you could tell it wasn't a fluke, right? And uh, the, the, more, the more I looked at the decisions they made, um, it, was, it was a different flavor. Um, so the Zamboni driver game, the David Ayers game, <laughs> Everyone loves to talk about what a lot of people forget about that game is it was the Leafs final game before the trade deadline <laughs> and a story came out. So the Leafs signed Zach Bogosian this off season yeah. and they had an opportunity to get him around that time. That That's when Tampa scooped him up and uh, Dubas was talking to Bogosian. And after that game, he said, you know what? Forget it. Um, and that's why the Leafs made so few moves at the deadline. Like they, they, the Leafs team made the decision that, you know what, this isn't worth salvaging. Uh, and then of course COVID hits and everyone's plans get completely thrown in the, in the blender, but you know, they invite an 18 year old to camp and they put him in the games and, uh, you know, the game five, an elimination game, they say, screw it. Let's try Nylander at center. And let's try, uh, I want to say it was Matthews on Tavares' wing. 
and we're going to take Robertson out and we're going to give Andreas Janssen an opportunity in the lineup. And as soon as I saw that, I'm like, well, they're giving Janssen an opportunity to potentially play his last game as a Maple Leaf. And that ended up being true. So, you know, when people look at the at the additions the Leafs made this offseason and the moves they made this offseason, um, I, I think it's stuff they were thinking of for a very long time. And if Leaf fans weren't happy with the current group, uh, the good news is management wasn't either. Right. I'm not yeah. sure if that answers your question. Or not. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, it's, it's kind of funny because, I, you know, I mentioned that, you know, the, the respect that I have for the the Leafs and, and, and I feel like their front office, it gets a lot of heat from people who either are traditionalists or people who are just against Toronto um, outside of the market. And, and I feel like there's a, a willingness to not a willingness, but I, People want to see them fail because of the way that Kyle Dubas is has been portrayed and, and and things like that, or you know they, they see Austin Matthews as kind of like you know not a savior or, or whatever you want. Like the, the way that people look at Toronto and look at Edmonton are very different, and I think a lot of that is just the Toronto factor uh, from outside the market anyway. But yeah, it, it's it's just it strikes me as a weird place to be in in that this team you think it's going to be good, but eventually, you, and it's kind of similar to Montreal for the last few years, but on a lower scale, because Montreal's expectations were never too high, but eventually you can build all the prospect depth and all the depth on the roster, but eventually you're going to have to show it on the ice. And I feel like Toronto's getting to that point as well, is that, okay, you know, we're, we're, we're building this team around these players. Eventually we're going to have to show some kind of success, like just on paper is not going to do it anymore. No, but you know what's interesting about, you know, the Dubas criticism and all the Leafs are small and, and weak and, you know, they get pushed around and everything. First of all, that's that's all stuff I've agreed with. But that's I that's not how Dubas builds teams. Um, and why Babcock needed to go is there was a clear disconnect between him and management. But then Keith comes on board. And, I mean, the first stretch was unbelievable. I, they went like... 12 and five or, or something like that. They were, they were very good um, heading into the new year. Um, I mean, we all had hopes heading into this new year. Am I right folks? Anyway. Uh, but I, I watched them in the winter and yeah, Riley got hurt obviously, but like this team didn't play like a Dubas or Keefe team. Like I, I look at the Toronto Marlies who won the Calder cup in 2018. They had big guys. They had guys who loved to fight they had little guys who played big, uh, who were agitating, who were annoying to play against. That team was built through its defense. Um, you, you know, it, it didn't it didn't look the the, the Leafs and, and and the Marlies that ended up winning. They didn't look similar at, at all. So the the idea that Dubas is like anti toughness or whatever, <laughs> I'm like, you don't you don't know anything about how he builds teams. Um, it was just very weird, just very weird. Like, I, I don't think him looking at Bogosian, obviously this offseason, but uh, last winter as well, I don't think that's him finally snapping and going, we need toughness or something. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the, the answer, what I say after every trade deadline is help isn't on the way. Um, and, you know, the league is full of, of teams who, like, Travis Konechny's not a physical specimen. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like yeah. not by 
NHL standards. He's in better shape than you or I, for sure. <laughs> like, I'm not challenging him to an arm wrestle or a race, but like that that guy's he he's an amazing goal scorer. He can fly. He's annoying as hell. And I just look at guys on this team, uh, and I go, why can't you be that? You have all the physical tools. What's the problem? Um, th- that's the most infuriating part about this Leafs team. And you know, it's it's a funny thing about the Habs too. <laughs> um, because like I, I said, and I got made fun of for this for a couple years, I'm like, you know what? They don't look like a playoff team to me, like a team that's going to win enough games in the regular season to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But if they were to squeak in, you're in trouble. Yeah. That, that's an annoying team. You got to deal with Shea Weber for four to seven games, Brendan Gallagher for four to seven games, Max Domi for four to seven games. I didn't realize how annoying Nick Suzuki was for four to seven games. And then you got Carey Price who can steal a series. And then all of a sudden it's a best of five. Oh, forget it. Like no wonder Pittsburgh didn't want anything to do with that. That's not a good time. That's a terrible time. Um, So, you know, they, they, it's almost like they're the opposite of the Leafs. The Leafs were this obvious team that was going to have some regular season success and then struggle in the playoffs. Then the Habs were going to struggle to even make it there. And then they were going to succeed once they got there. I, I think what the Habs did this season was improve on their strengths and somehow become a team that has a better chance of making the playoffs and having success in them. Yeah, it's it's, it's kind of funny because you, you mentioned guys who are, are not physically imposing. Uh, I, you've probably heard this story, but when, when the Canadians claimed Paul Byron off waivers, um, Michel Terry had heard all these things about what kind of player Byron is. And then he walks into the locker room and Terry is like, who's this guy? And they're like, oh, that's that's Paul Byron. And Terry is like, I think they sent us the wrong guy. Um, because he just look, he just looks not, he doesn't look like a guy who would be in the bottom six of an NHL team. Uh, oh, killing just a milk bag? <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry? No, I was, sorry. I was saying, is he just a, like a milk bag? Oh yeah, he he's just he just is small. Like he's listed, I think at like five five eight or five nine. But he's like he's Gallagher is strong, right? Like you can see, like he's he's built. And Paul Byron is just yeah. not not that, <laughs> um, right? And, and so he just he's just like a ball of speed, but he doesn't play um, the way he looks. And you know, Terry, when he first saw him, was like, I think we got the wrong guy. Um, and uh, little did he know that when he benched Alex Semin and played Paul Byron, Paul Byron never never got scratched again. So it it kind of worked out long run. But yeah, it, it it just seems like the guys like that and Montreal has been for years said, oh, they're too small, they're too small, they're too small. And you know, Mark Bergevin said a few years ago, um, he was talking about Lars Eller at the time. There are guys that get you into the playoffs, and he's talking about the guys like. Um, you know, the guys at the time were, I guess, Pacioretty and, you know, the the, the scores, DeHarnay and, and guys like that. And he's, he looks at Elder and he's like, those are the guys that get you through the playoffs. And, and you know, you see what happens when he, what happened when he went to Washington. And I feel like Mark Bergevin has those guys. And it's just the regular season part is the part he struggled with. And, and I think that, you know, we mentioned the things that you can take away from the playoffs. And I think the things that he took away from were the things that I saw and, and a lot of people saw is that, listen, Rested Carey Price is a good thing. Get a good backup. Uh, the defense is not bad, but Xavier Willette is not a regular top six defenseman on an NHL team. So he fixed that. And then, you know, one injury away from, you know, having uh, Alex Belzil, who 
you know, kind of not not like Nick Robertson that he's older, but he never played an NHL game before, and you're suddenly you're putting him in your fourth line in the playoffs. Like, okay, we need to fix that. Dale Weiss obviously was was in the lineup at, at a playoff time. Uh, Charles Houdon played the playoff games, and you know those two guys aren't even in the NHL anymore. So I think that you, you can take things and kind of fine-tune them. And Mark Bridgman was like, listen, okay, the message is clear. We have the, the core. We need to kind of fix in things. And I think that that's what Toronto's been trying to do for the last few years is they have their core. It's just a matter of fitting in the, the other parts to the to the equation. Well, and, and like I, I tend to defend the big four uh, in Toronto, you know, Tavares, Nylander, mm-hmm. Marner, Matthews up front because you know, when, I, when I was going back and looking at their games, um, I did this series called 70 and seven, where I broke the 70 games that the Leafs played into 10 game segments. And I made seven videos on, I go, my God, you know, I know they're paid extremely well and they should be leaned on, but this team's lost without <laughs> those guys. And the amount of times Matthews, you know, uh, they're down two and he drags them back to within one or the amount of times he tied the game or scored the game winner or, or scored uh, you know, a goal with an empty net um, as in the Leafs had the empty net. They were trying to tie the game and an OT winner. Like he was heroic for the team mm-hmm. and Tavares so many games. He just showed up when they weren't trying. Uh, Nylander was very much the same. Marner does too much when he's struggling, but I'd rather a guy <laughs> do too much than not enough. Yeah. Uh, you know, so uh, God, that group's gotta, <laughs> it's gotta find a way if it can, if the Leafs can get a little bit of bottom six luck, cause it felt like they didn't really get much offense, um, from the rest of the roster for this roster that was supposed to be deep, you know, yeah. um, if they can get, you know, I think back to Washington, you mentioned Washington, like Brett Connolly was great in the cup final. Devonte mm-hmm. Smith Pelly was great. Yeah in that cup final, if the Leafs and Lars Eller, I guess was probably their third line center. If the Leafs can get a little bit of that, Oh, it would go such a long way because Matthews shoots enough. It's going in, you know, you let Marner and Tavares work, uh, Nylander work the front of the net. You let them work long enough. It's going to go in. But if that's all you got, it's a problem. And, and it allows teams to zero in just way too much. Especially in what is going to be a condensed schedule, right? You can't lean on those guys for for twenty twenty three minutes a game, day in day out, and and expect them to be at the level they need to be in. I, I mean, I, I think that, and you know, it's it's kind of interesting in that I I, I feel like and Montreal is the same way. There's similar media markets. Um, uh, Brian Burke, I think, said that the, he would he'd rather work in Toronto and Montreal because in Montreal you're wrong in two languages. Um, and, uh, I kind of feel like that's really the only difference between the two. And the, the, the thing is, is that I feel like the ire at the big names and yes, they have the big salaries, they have the big expectations, but they, they're not the problem, right? Like, like, do they have to, there's, there's something else between the success of the Maple Leafs and the big four. And I feel like people just like, and especially people who aren't in that market, like people like, oh, Toronto will never win with those guys at the top of the lineup. And I just feel like it's it's so misplaced when when you direct the anger. It's like the same thing happened with Montreal Max Pacioretty. It's like he's scoring, you know, almost 40 goals, 35 goals. And people are like, oh, he doesn't do this right and this is right. And it's like, he's not the problem. He's scoring his goals. It, the problem is elsewhere. 
Well, there, there are certain things I think you, you got to expect. Montreal, I think there's a portion of the fan base, not to generalize, that will just never expect you or um, not expect you, never, never accept you. Yeah. Um, as the captain, if if you're not francophone, frankly, I mean, like I, I still remember people criticizing Saku Koivu for that. Yeah, and yeah, I, you know, looking back at his career, like my God, like how would how would you ever possibly, um, you know, and w- with the the Leafs, it, it feels like Montreal is a bit more tabloidy as a market, but boy, there are some nasty pockets <laughs> of, the, of the Toronto media too. Yeah. Um, but generally when I talk to people, I, li- I like talking to just casual fans. I-, I think, I think that's important for, you know, people like you and me who, you know, we live and breathe this stuff and we maybe get a little too caught up in the minutia and, you know, just go and see what people are talking about. And, you know, with, with casual fans who only, you know, maybe read a headline, or, or something like the Nylander saga really rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. And the Marner saga really yeah. rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. And then it becomes all about money. And so they look at Matthews and even though he's performing, they go, yeah, but he's making a lot of money. And yeah. they look at Tavares <laughs> who has done nothing except everything that's been expected of him yeah. uh, since arriving. And it's, because of the Nylander and Marner sagas, every single thing about this Leafs team for a lot of casual fans revolves around money. Um, yeah. And, you know, people are happy to pay uh, for their money's worth, mm-hmm. which I think would be a deep run, a Stanley Cup. But until people get that, it's always going to be about money. Yeah. And these these entitled kids <laughs> and stuff like that. It's yeah. It's a tough hole to dig out of. Uh, the only way to do it is to win, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, no, we, exactly. we can we can try to galaxy brain this. Win a round. <laughs> win two rounds. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, you see that with Carey Price as well. Since he signed his extension, obviously the success hasn't been there. Um, but even if he was great and he was in the playoffs uh, and the postseason, but you have that salary and people are like, okay, you know, if the team loses one nothing, oh, that goal shouldn't have gone in. But you don't look at the fact that the team didn't score a goal, right? You, you can't, yeah, it's, it, it, it's 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 a little bit. I mean, you kind of see it with with Anderson too, is that he's asked to you know carry the load and play an obscene amount of games um, for Toronto because they just couldn't trust the backup goaltender, uh, and that's something that they've improved also, and obviously Montreal did as well. But I, yeah, my, money is the big thing. Is that you know, Carey Price before he signed his extension was great. And and people were like, okay, yeah, everyone else has to pick up. And then as soon as the salary hit, and yes, that came with like a little bit of a downturn in his play as well, which didn't help things. But yeah, it, salary, people look at the salary and expect things. And, you know, people don't, you know, most people, like you said, don't look at Corsi. They don't look at PDO. They don't care about that stuff. They, they care. just care about wins. Um, and if you don't win, that's that's where the questions come into play. And, and media does play a big part in that. You know, it, people can't see... You know, people who just turn on turn to a game, they don't see the difference. So when when the play by play and the color people are talking about uh, this person not doing their job and things like that, that's that's what the narrative becomes for most people is because they that that's <laughs> they have a lot of power in in what well, happens. And Montreal Canadiens fans know all about this. Uh, the Leafs had a lot of Friday Saturday back to backs. Mm-hmm. 
um, which under Babcock meant a guaranteed <laughs> Garrett Sparks or Michael Hutchinson game for the past two years yeah. against the Montreal Canadiens on Saturday night, prime time. And, you know, we talk about, you know, people just going through your life. You, you got to get up at five or six in the morning for work. You're not watching a Tuesday night game against the Panthers. No. So you don't even get to watch every game. So, you know what? I want to sit down with my buddies back when it was legal. And, I, you know, I'm going to watch a game and we're going to catch up and have yeah. a great time. No, you're not having a great time because you're losing six to one because you got this guy in net. Like, yeah, it, it's it, just, he's arrested Carey Price on the other side. I get Yes! <laughs> <laughs> yes, like there, there were so many, so many occasions where, like, I get teams not wanting to have to consider that you're in the sports and entertainment business. Yeah, you don't start your backup every Saturday night. Yeah. Get your head out of your butt. Are you are you out of your <laughs> mind? And so you're turning fans away, and that's what the Leafs have done a really good job of turning fans away over the past few years with, with the Nylander saga, yeah. the Marner saga, starting your backup consistently on a Saturday night, knock that off, <laughs> knock that off. So it's, it's good to see. Hopefully we can get some of that goodwill built back up because this team is salvageable. It, yeah. It's not as bad as, as people make it sound. And that's coming from me uh, for, for crying out loud, but they, they do got to use their head. And I, I think having Dubas and Keefe aligned on things is important because Babcock and Dubas just didn't think hockey the same way. And I, I don't know how you survive with a coach and GM that disagree that fundamentally. Yeah, it, it's it's impossible. Like, you know, it's kind of like you, you go back to, you know, the, the only like pop culture fan I can think of is like Moneyball, right? When, when uh, you know, Brad Pitt's character and, and Philip Seymour Hoffman's character just kind of go head to head and like, no, you can't start him because he's traded now. Like, enough kind of thing. And um, Yeah, well, and, yeah. and so similar, similar. I think Carey Price and Frederick Anderson had similar problems. Yeah. Uh, you know, both were leaned on too much. But also, I don't think Carey Price was going, you know, guys, I really would like to play less. You, you <laughs> no, know, like, I, and of Anderson was the same deal. You have to take the net away from them. And you couldn't take the net away from Carey Price by going, all right, we're going to start, I don't know, who was the backup? Charlie Lindgren? Charlie Lindgren or, or Keith Kincaid last year. Oh, my God. Start, yeah. <laughs> like, that, that's tough. That's yeah. tough. And, hey, Freddie, we're, we're going to give Mike another start. <laughs> Whose first start of the season was blowing a 4-1 lead. We're, we're going to give it to Mike. That was against um, Montreal too, wasn't it? That was against yeah. Montreal because Captain <laughs> threw his stick at Jeff right. Petrie because he temporarily <laughs> forgot the rules. Uh, I get, and just the camera, the hockey night in Canada camera, getting a perfect close up of Domi's face. Yeah, that was bench. hilarious. Yeah. Hilarious. Get that close up there, Max. Um, you know where was I going with that? Oh, so the Montreal Canadiens had to take the net away from Carey Price on certain nights, mm -hmm. and now they can. Yeah. Uh, with Jake Allen, and now the Leafs can with Jack Campbell. Yeah. Um, but for both teams, I just don't think it was an option last year. Yeah, and listen, these players know, right? They know when their their backup is not up to quality, right? So if you're a team like Montreal, like Toronto could, you know, afford to lose a game here and there. Montreal down the stretch, I think they their backups, I think, I don't even know if they won a game last year. Or they won one game, I think, Key the and Primo. Um like backup oh, goaltender, the the, yeah, Canadian's backup goaltender. It's just like the, Carey Price knows, right? He he knows that the the guy behind, like if you don't trust the guy behind you, you're gonna want to play. 
that, that's just you know, the competitive in you, right? So I think having uh, a capable backup is going to be like, okay, listen, if, you know, we don't have a guaranteed loss, yeah, okay, I'll play less. And I think that even Carey Price, you know, he said last year, at a certain point when, when Keaton Primo and the hype behind Keaton Primo was, was lifting because of his season in Laval, he's like, listen, I'm not here to babysit um, and mentor a goaltender. I'm here to win. And and I think that Jake Allen is is not, doesn't require to be babysat in, in, in to put into those terms. Um, and I think, yeah, the goalies know, right? The goalies know that, listen, I'm, I we want to win. Let me play. I want to play. So don't don't leave it up to them. And I think that's something that both teams kind of um, did this year. And I do want to talk about Joel Fonten a little bit um, because I'm I'm old enough to remember when you know all all these local players went to the late Maple Leafs late in their career, and, and I, those players I'm thinking like the Lindros, the Jeff O'Neills, they were relied on to be big contributors um, for those teams. Whereas guys like Fonten and Spezza and even Wayne Simmons. They, they know what they're going to be doing this year. They're, they're not going to be playing top top minutes. They know what the situation is. And what are the expectations for guys like that? Obviously, Montreal has, they, they just signed Corey Perry to, to a contract, and kind of in a similar spot where these guys are household names. Every, you know, people know who these players are, even if you are, um, you know, a casual fan, you remember those names. And what are, what are expectations for a guy like Joe Thornton who's coming into um, the situation this year? Well, hopefully it's not uh, too much. <laughs> yeah, right. right, like, right. He, Realistic, he's, I guess, right? Just, yeah, yeah, he's a force. Uh, he's a voice of reason. Yeah. Hopefully, um, you know, man, this team really got down on themselves uh, at times. Uh, you know, like the Leafs had to take some humiliating timeouts last year. Like I want to say they had like four one lead or something like that, and it's four three, and Keith is having to take a timeout. Or like the, the team is up by three goals. They allow one. Keith takes a timeout to be like, all right, let's not <laughs> lose our heads there, kids. Yeah. Um, you know, I remember this one game. Uh, Leafs were playing the Devils. The Devils. They're up 5-1. <laughs> and I think they won the game 7-4. <laughs> because the, the Devils got to within like one or two. Like it yeah. was absolutely ridiculous. Um, Matthews scored a hat trick on the fifth, sixth, and seventh goals of the game, and he ended up having the game winner. <laughs> you know, it was 5 1 when he scored his first goal. It was ridiculous. So, if Thornton can, like, th- this is the frustrating thing with the Leafs team is the problem, you know, some, some nights it was skill with some players mm. it was skill, but for so many guys, structurally, the problem really did seem to be uh, between the ears. So, if he can fix that problem, that'd be wonderful. As for Corey Perry, uh, I think the bubble was the perfect situation for him. Um, you know, hard, hard miles on that guy's body. Yeah. But he gets months and months and months of rest. And you go, hey, man, can you turn it on, like, <laughs> all the way up for 20 games? Yeah, coach, I can do that. Especially when you got the Stanley Cup at the end of it. Yeah. It's difficult when you got the first round at the end of 82 games. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and I just yeah. wonder if the expectations are going to be too high for him. Oh, he's going to be a nightmare for other teams. <laughs> I I think in the in the bubble, go, 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 run, 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 run setting, uh, he it was a perfect situation for him to be an animal. Yeah. But you're asking him to be an animal, like a complete pest. <laughs> 
for 56 games and then maybe a 25 game playoff run. Yeah. And that's Corey. That's something Corey Perry absolutely could have done a few years ago Mm -hmm. this year. Oh, it's difficult. So he might be the guy. He might be a guy that Habs just keep in like a shed somewhere, (laughs) you know, and, and you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see him as a healthy scratch for a few games who they then, you know, open the door like the zombies in, in friggin' uh, uh, um, whatever that show is, Walking Dead. You know, I, I wouldn't be surprised to yeah. see that. But like Thornton can't be running your power play. No. And Perry can't be having all your big fights. And Wayne Simmons yeah. can't be, you know, fighting all the Leafs fights. And, you know, Jason Spezza can score some big goals. He shouldn't be counted on for it. Like these, yeah. these guys are here for depth. Let's let's make no mistake. It's still up to the Gallagher's to be the pests. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. still up to uh, I don't know the Leafs to defend themselves. <laughs> like like it's like he said about uh, Price, and he's not here to babysit. Wayne Simmons isn't here to babysit, guys. Yeah, you know. So it's the 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 team. The big players still need to be the big players. You can't be relying yeah. on guys pushing forty, or in Thornton's case, north of forty. To save your season. That's a bit yeah. ridiculous. No, exactly. I, I think, and Corey Perry is, like, Montreal doesn't need Corey Perry to be in the lineup. Like, I don't even know where he'd fit right now because he'd, he'd the way that the lineup is constructed, like, Paul Byron and Yoel Army are on the fourth line. Like, Michael Froelich is in the picture as well. Like, it, I, I feel like Corey Perry, like, if he plays, like, 25 regular season games and is good for the playoffs, like, that, that's a perfect scenario for, for I think, both sides. Um, yeah, and, and people, I, I th- people are getting too caught up though in, oh man, where does he fit in the lineup? No, no, no. This is a COVID year. Yeah, and there's going to be nights. <laughs> there's going to be nights for every team where it's yeah. like, by the way, these four guys are out tonight. <laughs> yeah, no, out of nowhere. T- team Germany situations. Um, yep, going going forward. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. all of a sudden, that guy who you couldn't figure out how to put on your fourth line, he's on your second now. Yeah, exactly. It, it's going to be that kind of year. And and the teams that are able to to build that kind of um, that kind of base, and, and I think that that's part of the reason why Toronto is is so keen on having Nick Robertson around is that he's a guy who they can kind of you know have there in, in case and can play up the lineup too, right? Like he, he's ideally you wouldn't want a, a kid that young to be playing on your fourth line, but you know if a couple of things happen and you need something on top six, you don't necessarily want Wayne Simmons there either, right? So. Um, I think that that's that that's kind of the 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 galaxy brain things that GMs are doing now, and you see all these guys signing contracts, and, and I think that, that that's what Mark Bergman did is that you know we, I mentioned in in the bubble they were line guys on like Dale Weiss, Xavier Willett, and, and Charles Houdon, and those are guys who were like were playing like in Laval for most of the season. You, you don't want to rely on those guys um, as your top options if something goes wrong, and, and let's face it, in a year like this, things will probably go wrong um, for a lot of teams. Well, Nick Robertson is also like the Leafs for many years now, all the way back to the minors would always point out Zach Hyman in video sessions and be like, look at this guy. Look at, look at the things he does. He does exactly what we tell him. Look how hard he works. And I feel like Nick Robertson's presence within the organization right now, isn't just about his hockey skill. Mm -hmm. It's the team going, this is the standard for how hard you have to work. You know, Robertson is from California, lives in California. And when news of the bubble started to hit, he came and stayed with a friend in Windsor, Ontario. 
to train and everything. And he hasn't been back home since, you know, we're, we're talking at the end of December right now. He has not gone home because he's been in the greater Toronto area or Toronto mm-hmm. uh, training to make this team. Uh, and why not? There's no OHL to go to <laughs> or, or the, you know, the, that season's in jeopardy or whatever. Yeah. Um, and you know what? They gave the kid a taste. They gave <laughs> an already hungry kid a taste and it, nothing else will do. The OHL, the AHL, nothing else will do. So mm-hmm. the, he's he's a huge X factor on this Leafs roster because you are going to have to pry a roster spot away from him, um, yeah. kicking and screaming. And if you don't get to his <laughs> level, you're not going to make the team. I don't think Dubas will have a, a single problem. Keith will have a single problem getting rid of someone because they're not at that standard of yeah. give a damn. Yeah, it, it's kind of, you know, we talk about size a lot um, and we talk about like heart and tangibles a lot, but when you can combine uh, skill with heart and Montreal sees it with Brendan Gallagher, right? That's like a perfect example of what happens when you take a guy who is skilled, but with a, a will to just be better than everybody else and you put those two things together, size doesn't matter anymore. And, and I think that that's, that's something that... Um, you know, a lot of people make that comparison and I can, you know, just based on what you're saying, I, I you, you can see it. And I think that's that's kind of like the, the the perfect storm is that, you know, you have a lot of guys who have one or the other and you can only go so far on a limited amount of skill. You can only go so far on a lot of skill even. But when you combine the two together, that's where you have something that, that could be um, special and that can surprise people. And, you know, Brendan Gallagher, his first training camp, he was like out of the, not even in the picture and he was last cut at training camp. And, and then the next year he came in, um, started the year because of the lockout in the AHL and never went back to the AHL. Um, so it's it just, yeah, I, I, I get those vibes and there's a comparison that we see a lot. Um, I see a lot on social media between the two and just hear what you're saying that it's, I know exactly what you mean when you say something like that. And that's what Montreal has in, in, in a guy like Brendan Gallagher. Yeah, it's and, – and I love, like, what Ottawa's doing. I love mm-hmm. what Montreal's doing. Like, this is going to be – it's going to be the division of hate. It, it will. <laughs> but, but like, I, I, I look at all the teams and it's exciting. Every team is exciting. Like, you're going to have Ottawa – even Ottawa, um, you know, uh, with Tim Stutzel – I, I want to see him play, <laughs> you know, just seeing what he's doing in, in the World Juniors and what he did last year in the World Juniors, um, you know, what they're building there. Uh, you know, Brady Kachuk, uh, you know, you don't necessarily want to see him 10 times a year, but it, it, it's something you want to see. Connor McDavid, seeing these guys, uh, Calgary and, and the, the talent they have, Winnipeg, I, Vancouver has a ton of talent as well. I just feel like it's going to be such a fun, it's going to be fun hockey. Like, I know that the... The, the, these are like it's basically the future of hockey is in this division. Other teams have good young players too. I'm not saying that this is the only, but this is this is basically a, a match made in heaven, I think, and and it gives us a little bit of spice because hopefully we'll never have to see this again. I mean, as 
I work for the rights holder. Speak for yourself. Uh, <laughs> I, right, right. I, dude, the all Canadian division is okay. going to be very good. <laughs> let, for, let, me, uh, let, let me rephrase. Hopefully, we don't have to because of this, <laughs> because of this situation. Right. Hopefully, it happens for the hockey reasons and not everything else around it. Let, let's put that. That up. makes perfect sense. I'll <laughs> I'll meet you there for sure. And I mean, the travel is going to suck. Oh yeah. Uh, for these guys, I mean, they're they're trying to make it less so, but like, mm-hmm. oh my god, like there's going to be like. <laughs> Three or four games in a row, Battle of Alberta. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that yeah. rules. And, you know, one good thing for the Leafs that I'll, that I'll say about this division is they're going to learn to play with a little bit of anger mm-hmm. or they're going to suffer. Yeah. Um, you know, the Ottawa is not going to be a free two points. And Montreal, we know what they can do now, and they'll mm-hmm. grind you down. And the Oilers are actually a pretty tough team. Not to mention the fact that you got to deal with guys like Darnell Nurse and Zach Cassian and, and or yeah. sorry, I, uh, those are the tough guys. Uh, Connor McDavid <laughs> and uh, Leon Drysidel. Vancouver's not going to take it lying down. No. Um, you, you know, Calgary isn't going to take it lying down. Winnipeg uh, has a Vesna nominee yeah. uh, in net. You're going to have to learn. You're going to have to learn. There's no. Yeah. You know, people talk about how this is a weak division. I, I strongly disagree. There's yeah. no easy points in this division. Yeah, it, it's kind of a cliche where, you know, down the stretch, oh, this team's been playing playoff hockey for X number of games. These teams are no. going to be playing playoff hockey for 56 games, all of them. Well, um, even, like, let's say the Leafs have this delicious cushion, you mm-hmm. know, heading into the final five or ten games. Yeah. You still, you're going to have consecutive games against teams yeah. That by the end of the weekend, you're going to want to strangle. <laughs> and and I think that's yeah. really good for them. Uh, they're going to have to learn to deal with that nonsense or crumble again. Yeah. And then at the end of it, you might have to play them four of the seven games um, right after too. Right? Like it, it, Montreal, Montreal and Toronto finished the game with three games against each other. Imagine if that's the first round matchup. They're going to oh. be playing like seven games in a row to ten games in a row. Like that's, that's unbelievable. Like it, it's... It's crazy to think about, but yeah, there's so much to look forward to. But you mentioned the travel. I think I saw something the other day where Montreal, in their first road trip of the season, will travel more than Columbus all year. That's unbelievable. Uh, well, and <laughs> so the Leafs are on the favorable side of rested versus unrested. Yeah, I saw they're they're playing. I want to say it's four games against unrested opponents, whereas there's three games where they're the unrested opponent. I don't remember the last time they were on the favorable side of that ever. Yeah. They had, I want to say they had 14 back-to-backs last year. Stupidity (laughs) is absolutely absurd, which, and, and it was tough as a Leaf fan being like, oh my God, that's 14 guaranteed Michael Hodgson game. (laughs) You you know what, you know what helps them? You know what helps them? I think what what might help them. I don't know. I don't make the schedule. I don't know. But the Raptors not being in town, I think might make a difference in that. Oh, that you know what? That makes a lot of sense. It just I came to me that's now. Screwing over Tampa. It, <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. Yeah, if only they were division rivals. That that'd be. Uh... Oh, very interesting. Yeah. I hadn't thought of that. That's a good point. Very good point. Yeah, no so, concerts it, to deal with. No, exa- yeah, that's another thing as well. Exactly. It's, you know, it, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, thank you so much, Steve, for for taking the time. Um, all the best to to you and uh, your family, and and uh, all the best for this season, and, and best of luck. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks.